Hello and welcome to our Valentine's Day special. Today we're talking about Hard Cock by More Dickland. <laughs> I'm Sean. And I'm Mimi. And this book is British. The book we read is titled Heart Clock by Dick Moreland, not to be confused with Michael Moorcock. (laughs) The cover of this book is a little bit refreshing. It's some art. I like the cover. We have an anatomically correct human heart that looks like it came out of a science classroom hooked up to sort of an old-timey bomb clock, countdown timer, with some coiled wires... And it looks like someone actually built this sculpture. Yeah, it's a photograph of a sculpture instead of your normal generic fantasy sci-fi art. It's a pretty simple cover. There's not much going on. Mm -hmm. So I looked into Dick Moreland, and this is just a pseudonym or pen name for Reginald Hill. What a pseudonym. (laughs) Of all the the made-up names you could make up. Um... Reginald Hill seems to mainly be a crime writer, but this was his pseudonym specifically for his science fiction work. Has he written a lot of things? I think so. Um, His best-known series has over 20 novels about a team of detectives, and this actually got turned into a BBC television series. Uh, In 1995, he won the Crime Writers Association's Diamond Dagger for Lifetime Achievement. (laughs) Just, you've you've written enough books. Here's your (laughs) award. Please stop. Well, (laughs) sounds like a really cool award. His first book was titled A Clubbable Woman. Oh. The Goodreads entry for Heart Clock has only four ratings. uh, Because... This book was republished both under his pen name and under Reginald Hill name. And the book was also retitled when it was published again. It has multiple entries on Goodreads. But that's happened to us before where Time Stop ended up being a little bit more widely known than the initial um, record that we checked. But every entry for this book has less than 10 ratings, and someone really messed this up because one of them is credited to Rudolf Steiner instead of Reginald Hill or Dick Moreland, who is a philosopher and social thinker who died in 1925. I'm surprised he managed to get it republished. He's a winner of a diamond dagger. (laughs) I think once you've won a diamond dagger, people let you republish your works. Oh, yeah. Are you ready to get into Heart Clock? So our hero is a 69-year-old, frail, (laughs) kind of dumb... Feeble, you might call him. (laughs) Ex-politician turned protester? Yeah. He came up with a great plan as a politician. His name is Matlock. Matthew Matlock. Yeah. 
His great plan was to set an age limit and install heart clocks in every citizen that will stop your heart once you reach the age. And this is to to fix the budget. This is the future where they've developed a lot of medical science so that people live super long, but then did not develop any infrastructure to help pay for all those people and then just decided to kill them all. <laughs> um, and now that he's 69 years old, he's decided this is a bad idea and maybe we shouldn't be... But it was his idea when he was 40. Yeah. So he's like holding activist group meetings that are very poorly attended and they keep getting shut down, I think, by police kind of breaking them up. His some other activist friends. One is Lizzie, who is supposedly his secretary, but I don't think she does anything in the book except sleep with Matlock. She's a love interest. And then we have Ern- Ernest and Colin. Is it Ernest or just Ernst? It might be Ernst. We're never- in England here. <laughs> um, these are just two more activist friends. Well, Ernst is his appointed heir. To what? To being a feeble 69-year-old activist. (laughs) And then Colin has no special attributes. He's just another guy who does not sleep with Matlock. They have another friend who's killed immediately in Chapter 1 by police violence. Yeah, almost page 1. And they're sad about it on page 2. (laughs) <laughs> and then he is, no, I can't remember his name. Yeah. So England has become like a police state and they're ki- the police presence is kind of. There's curfews. There's a magical curfew wagon. It's a giant <laughs> um, vacuum. It just sucks people up off the streets. From here, we're introduced to, I think, there's basically three major factions other than Matlock and his friends. And we're introduced to all of them by Matlock being forcibly escorted. Yeah, or one kidnapped. by one. Yeah. So first, he's escorted to meet the current Prime Minister of England, Browning, who tries to convince him to rejoin the party. Because if you're a politician, you are not subject to the age limit. As long as you're working in politics, you can live as long as you would naturally. And he's basically trying to get Matlock to also renounce his current position of trying to end the age laws. And so this is, he's dangling this reward to him in order to shut him up. But the stick in the this scenario is he has some doctored forms that say that Lizzie is his wife and Ernst is his son. And in this Police state, if you break a law, they subtract some some amount of years from your age limit. On your heart clock. Yeah, and if you go over, it's subtracted from your friends and family. <laughs> and this was because they had too many problems with old men getting too close to their, <laughs> their death age and going crazy. There were a lot of sex crimes, a lot of rioting or violence this but the problem with this is it just doesn't solve like the immediate problem of crime like all right caught you stealing that's one year off 
Is that Australian or New Zealand? <laughs> but he can just keep the steal again. All right, the second time caught you stealing. That's another year. <laughs> um. It doesn't stop the person from immediately doing the things. It's just you have a punishment looming far off in the future. Well, supposedly it's worked to curb the uh, the crime in the more mature demographic <laughs> because people's family members will keep them in line. Um, All right, jaywalking. <laughs> misdemeanor. <laughs> so now Matlock is already facing his own death, but also the early death of his closest friends if he doesn't agree to this plan. But then he's immediately kidnapped again or forcibly escorted to meet another mysterious man, the abbot who lives in the abbey. He runs a group called the meek because the meek shall inherit the earth. Right. But other than just having this fancy phrase and name, they don't, that is unrelated to what they do or how they operate. At this time, you don't really know. You just know the meek shall inherit the earth. And then I think later the author just forgets about that part of it. <laughs> yeah, and, they never came back. And they become something different and they don't even call him the meek anymore. And he just tells Matlock a bunch of different things. He tells him that Matlock is the leader of a huge movement against the age laws. He just didn't know it. <laughs> He's got a lot of support out there. They just, they don't show up to his meetings or contact him or support him in any way. So all of his followers thought that Matlock said not to show up so that they didn't know. And he just thought no one was showing. <sighs> yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. And it sounds like Matlock, if this is true, Matlock is basically just a figurehead and is not doing anything important for this rebellion because he has no idea what's going on. The abbot does not want Matlock to join the party in power because that would end the supposed rebellion against the age laws if their figurehead joined the other side. So he threatens that all of his secret followers would rather he died a martyr and will kill him if he tries to join the government. And then he also tells Matlock that he doesn't have to worry about Browning's threat because all his friends are spies for Browning anyway. Right, so he should not care if these people's age, if he is killed and then their age limits are lowered. Yes. The problem is he doesn't offer a solution to the heart clock problem. He doesn't tell him that they have a way to manipulate the heart clock. That's what Matlock really wants to hear. Yeah, so... He can join them, and then he'll die in a couple months. Well. But before I'm sure Malloc could even consider such an idea, <laughs> he is then brought to the Scottish embassy. I don't know British politics very well, but no. I thought it was really funny because the whole thing is like a dream sequence. It's just a horrible nightmare where everyone is described more as magical creatures with <laughs> they're super disproportionate. And everything's hazy, and he's just, like, moved from room to room, and he doesn't understand anything. And there's all these strange creatures throwing cups and doing <laughs> weird dances and songs. Just doing Scottish stuff. 
yeah, the Scottish ambassador or, or whoever has like some thugs. And one of them is described as having a hole in his head. But it's not clear what that means. <laughs> like, is it like a dent? Or like, can you see through his head? Or how deep does this hole go? Yeah, I imagine these as all magical creatures. <laughs> the other the other guy was like a big talking walrus. <laughs> At this point, I was starting to wonder if this was going to be the rest of the book. Just Matlock gets picked up by another faction they explain things to him he tries to leave gets scooped up by another faction well you wouldn't be wrong because it just goes through the same three over and over after yeah. this but he does just <laughs> continuously get picked up by people and told what to do and doesn't he never chooses anything yeah he's basically dragged through this whole story so he gets home he's brought home and he has a moment He's afraid that all of his friends are spies. And everything they do seems a little suspicious. Their reactions are all a little off. But not even within one page does he just decide to tell them everything. Well, And he has to trust them. It's because of Lizzie's hot butt. That's what he says. That's the part where he slaps her butt vigorously. All right, well, you convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> um... Okay, yeah. So then someone shoots at his house. They try to call the police. The police are not very helpful because he's known for causing trouble, this activist group. Uh, All right, well, two years off your age limit. <laughs> that one was like... <laughs> accents are my thing. So then Matlock comes up with some kind of plan, and I didn't fully understand the details of it. His plan was to tell Browning that he was joining him, but then not actually do it, which was not a very good plan. No, it was terrible, but... So he tells he tells Browning, and Browning's like, okay, great, I'll send all my men over right away. <laughs> and Matlock's like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> what a bad plan. <laughs> so... His security team immediately shows up to supervise Brownie. I mean, sorry, to, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> to. He's put under house arrest. Yeah. <laughs> and he has seven cops living in his apartment with him. But. At all times. But Browning also doesn't even accept him joining the party. And then decides that he's going to do an emergency budget announcement and lower the new age limit down all the way to 70, which is a big deal because it's never been so low before. So Matlock, his clock will be up in two weeks when his birthday is. The security team immediately adjusts his heart clock. There, there was some explanation about how the heart clocks work in society and how... Every time there's a budget announcement, you have two days to report to a center yeah. where they'll adjust your clock. Everyone has to go in the DMV to have their age limit change. And it's funny because the author says, you would think this wouldn't work at all, but it does. What do you know? <laughs> uh, so it seems like Matlock is doomed to spend the last two weeks stuck in this house with these police officers, but... But then he goes to the bathroom. <laughs> and there's someone, one of the Abbott's men, hiding in the shower. And he gives Matlock a gun and tells him to kill all the policemen. 
So Malak does. He just walks out of the bathroom and shoots them all. Well, and then the the guy from the shower comes out and I think helps him. Yeah, but just no hesitation to murder. <laughs> um, he is no longer concerned about the age limits being lowered on his friends, committing like five murders right before he's about to reach his age limit. Well, I think there's a few points where it's like very clear Matlock is really just driven by the will to stay alive. Yeah, it's just I saw his predicament more complex. He is held prisoner and he doesn't know the location of all his friends. So the danger is not him dying in two weeks. The danger should be his friends being captured and their age limits being lowered. He didn't really have a plan. I was going to say, I think his plan was to get all his friends rescued, but that wasn't his plan. (laughs) No. Even the guy who was rescuing him, I guess his name was Brother Francis. He doesn't have a plan totally either. They're supposed to get to a helicopter. They have to run through the, the town trying to get there after curfew is announced because of the riots about lowering the age limit so low. They end up inside of a building that Malak recognizes that does forgery for the state officially. They kill some more people. (laughs) There's a long chase scene, but it doesn't, you don't feel anything because you don't know where they're going. The descriptions are so vague, you don't recognize anything. They're just running in a void to nothing. And you're just waiting for the chapter to end so that they'll get to something. And they make it to their helicopter. And as they're flying away, he sees Colin down below get captured. The friend with no qualities. (laughs) So they end up back at... Again, he's brought to the (laughs) second one, to the abbot. Yeah. And uh, it turns out that the abbey is a compound... For people who are dodging the age limit. So it's a bunch of old rich people and politicians that are pretending to be very religious. I don't understand their plan. No. Or what they wanted. when he gets there, they inform him that the rebellion pretty much failed because Browning knew all of the key players and arrested them right away. And Browning also knows everything about the Abbey because... As a politician, he has the option to join them after he retires. So they just hold Matlock, and then Matlock gets annoyed because his time is running out. He's going to die soon. And while he's arguing with the abbot, some of Browning's men... Okay, I mean, it's really distracting you just (laughs) doing this. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) While he's arguing with the abbot about who knows what, some of Browning's men show up and they see Matlock. And then because Browning knows where Matlock is now, they just start firebombing the crap out of the abbey and killing all of the people there. This was a completely ridiculous scene because it sounded like, and it was written like, it was supposed to be this big, like, action sequence there's lots of fighting because the abbot's people are fighting back and there's explosions and there's helicopters and grenades but this is just a group of like a hundred or more year old men (laughs) that could probably be killed by a strong gust of wind and they're just being wiped out by (laughs) soldiers the scene also 
there were like sci-fi elements sprinkled throughout the book, especially at the beginning to kind of flesh out the setting that we're in the future. There's something called poro glass, which is kind of like glass that can be a screen so it can show computer screen stuff or it can show an image like your your window can show whatever you want and then it actually had a kind of payoff in this scene because the abbey is actually a ruin but they've rebuilt the walls out of poro glass to make it look like it's complete and then they could turn the walls on and off or something and it's kind of like a maze the Malloc has to run through and the soldiers can like turn the glass transparent and the walls just disappear. And- but again, it's just so whatever because he doesn't have a goal. We don't know what Browning's men are going to do to him and he has no way to survive from the heart clock anyway. <sighs> yeah. But then he gets picked up by the Scottish. Who well, take him to Scotland. Yeah, I mean, he, like, jumps in the river, and he's like, finally, I have escaped. And he gets out of the river. He's like, oh, got picked up by the curfew wagon in, like, one sentence. He's stuck in the curfew wagon for, like, a chapter or so where he's tortured. And then the Scottish thug guy with the hole in his head bursts in, rescues him, or kidnaps him. They get in another helicopter. Yeah, in the curfew wagon, there was the closest thing to social commentary which obviously this book is oh i read 1984 here's what if 1984 you had like an age limit or something but the only moment of any social commentary was right in this little couple pages where he's getting tortured and they have a machine that can measure pain so they give him a numerical set amount of pain that they give to everyone and they have people document it and like okay we tortured him this much check and then (laughs) He received this amount of pain, check. And I liked that. It would be nice if any of this book had a point. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess we didn't explain in the future. I think Scotland was really against the age laws. And Matlock, when he was in power, his solution to that was, okay, well, we can be separate countries, deport all the Scots, and build a wall. Pretty big decision to just do like that yeah so they're not too fond of matlock over there but they really want to kidnap him and bring him there so scotland is trying to start an invasion of england why and they need matlock for this invasion but also why and then they get him there and immediately do an operation on him they they remove his heart clock And Lizzie's there, and it turns out this whole time she's been a Scottish agent, not one of Browning's agents. But they put a new heart clock in him that has to be reset every 24 hours, or else he'll die. And Lizzie's just so upset why he can't just get over it and love her again. Yeah. (laughs) He probably should have done that, though. Live in Scotland? Yeah. I don't really know what he wanted throughout the book. He wanted to be alive and he wanted to be with Lizzie and he could have done all that right here, but he's really against this invasion plan. They force him to do some pre-recorded speeches that they're going to use to help the invasion somehow, but he decides he has to sabotage this this invasion. He knocks out Lizzie. He kills 
the thug with the hole in his head re-records a new message and forces some people into broadcasting it. And then he's captured again. (sighs) Yes, he runs into Colin. The chapter ends, oh no, Colin was working for Scotland too. The next chapter starts with, oh, just kidding. Colin was working for the British security. He's working for Browning. This was the last, like, maybe eight pages of the book. And this is the first time that Matlock ever did anything for himself. And I he was made thinking, the new tape. is this is this like his redemption? He <laughs> finally does something, but then he's immediately knocked out, kidnapped, taken to England, and the entire climax and conclusion of the book happened while he was unconscious. He regains consciousness. We hear from Colin all the exciting things that yeah, we missed. Some really exciting stuff happened. <laughs> and then Matlock is made the prime minister. For some reason. The end. So I guess Browning won? Well, no. Well. Like Browning specifically didn't win, but Malik rejoined the thing and now he's the prime minister and the age limit <laughs> is still there. And he won't be killed because he's a political guy. So the other thing that's really funny about them making him prime minister is that we end with Matlock realizing he has no plan for what he wants to do now that he is prime minister. He starts asking himself a bunch of rhetorical questions like, what am, what am I going to do now? And like, <laughs> like somebody knock me unconscious and <laughs> tell me what to do as prime minister. Like, it, I don't know why it didn't have a more hopeful message. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to end the age laws because this is wrong or, like, dismantle the police state or something. He's like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. The end. Do you have any additional thoughts about Heart Clock? I don't know if this should be a thing that we look at <laughs> in all these books from now on. But I wanted to mention the first line of the book and the last line of the book again. All right. Because I do think they're important. And the first line of the book is, Matlock looked carefully round the hall as the chairman's voice droned on. (laughs) (laughs) Which really does set up the book. (laughs) Is Matlock looking as someone else bores us to death. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. And... The last line is, yes, Jody, it's good to be back. Who's Jody? (laughs) Well, that's his new secretary they introduced in the line before that. It ends the book with Matlock speaking to a new character they just introduced. It could just be, yes, it's good to be back. But it's, yes, Jody, new character. It's good to be back. She's the replacement Lizzie now that he, uh, he gave up on Lizzie. He has the British Lizzie. I get it now. <laughs> oh, yeah, because she's the new secretary. Yeah. Oh, never, great last line. Uh. Now I know. <laughs> um, well, there are some lines that I wanted to highlight. Matlock put the phone down and stared at the wall. The impact dents from the force gun looked like a pair of breasts, he thought. Perhaps I won't have it repaired. Just paint around them. <laughs> Oi, Colin. <laughs> Look like knackers on the wall, huh? <laughs> A cool customer, said Matlock. Excuse me. 
He reversed his gun and struck the other messenger sharply behind the ear. He slumped forward without a sound. That's better, said Malak. Now I can lean forward and get a decent shot. I'm going to count to three and then press the trigger. My force gun is pointing, you will observe, more or less between your legs. The turtle's nest, frying tonight, as they used to say. (laughs) One, two... All right, said the driver. Not my turtle's nest. (laughs) (laughs) The old Mr. and Mrs. Tortoise. (laughs) So Malloc does not do anything in this book. I think most of the book he is actually unconscious. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I was trying to compare it with some of the other protagonists that we've seen even compared to like david from the bog or jane from silver metal lover matlock is the most passive and pathetic protagonist we've we've had especially jane from silver metal lover but also david they learn things yeah interact intellectually if not physically but matlock does he's the same at the end (laughs) Like, he has no idea what's going on throughout the book. (laughs) Like, he's supposedly in charge of this huge underground rebellion, but he has never even heard of it. I just imagine he's, you know, just wandering around, really confused. People are taking him places. (laughs) Hey, look, there's some boobs on the wall. And he just keeps going. That's about all he's got. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Dragged from place to place, and he really didn't need to be present for this book. He didn't do anything important. But also, what happened in this book? <laughs> it's just a like just a bunch of random stuff. Yeah. It seems like it should be a political thriller or some sort of dystopian police state thing. Yeah. After reading, like, the the synopsis on the back of the book, I was expecting a political statement from it. And I was a little worried it was going to be like a time stop where PJ Farmer read 1984 and thought, oh, I could, I could do that, but mine's going to be way cooler. But it wasn't even like that. It wasn't like Matlock was a cool guy. Even throughout the book, like, when it started, I was expecting, like, is this going to be, like, really anti-fascist or, like, anti-austerity or something? And Matlock, people kept comparing him to, like, Che Guevara and Lenin, but it goes nowhere. And the message of the story is just that mm, the government killing people is bad. I think the metaphor of the heart clock was pretty dumb in general, but if you... If you put aside that the hard clock is stupid and you just accept that this is the the one thing in the world and go with it, he doesn't even use the heart clock in the book. He doesn't use it to make any commentary on anything. No. So what was, what was the point? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and in that vein, I don't know who this book is for because I don't know what the book is trying to say. Even... What want is this fulfilling? What <laughs> desire is this fulfilling? If you really want to read about a 69-year-old man getting dragged around <laughs> and knocked unconscious, this book might be for you. Is that your answer for who yep, is this book for? That's okay. it. That's all I've got. I don't I don't have an answer. <laughs> well, 
If you'd like to join us next month, we're reading Idle Pleasures by George Alec Effinger. And if that sounds like a Valentine's Day book, <laughs> you are wrong. It is actually an alien sports book. You can contact us at dumpsterbookclub at gmail.com or join our group on Goodreads. 